hour number three of the morning after right here on Sports Grid, Sirius XM channel 204. The early after is done, but we still have one more hour, a very happy hour of the morning after on the horizon. I'm your host, Ben Stevens. In our third and final hour, we will talk all things SEC football with Connor O'Gara, who joins the show from Saturday down south, coming up next, and for two segments then we round out the show with bill krakenberger one of the pro cappers out in las vegas one of the sharpest minds in all of the industry to discuss some of the nfl some betting lines you need to know whatever crack wants to enlighten you with you take down notes and you listen that will be coming up later in this third and final hour right now we focus on the nfl this is our west coast wake up we are going to discuss a west coast team that had the week off now feels charged and refreshed get it charged and refresh the Los Angeles Chargers. That's who we're talking about here. The Chargers play the New England Patriots this upcoming weekend. Right now, LA will be at home in SoFi Stadium, and they are laying five and a half as the favorites in this game against the New England Patriots. Looking for that updated over-under total. Right now, it is 48 and a half between the Chargers and the Pats on the FanDuel Sportsbook. This line opened up at five and a half in favor of LA. That is exactly where it has stayed. The over-under total 47 and a half up by a point to 48 and a half right now so the chargers fresh off a bye but let's not forget about la four and two straight up this year also four and two against the spread two and one ats as a favorite they will be at least right now a favorite on the fanduel sportsbook against the patriots they have also covered two straight as a favorite for the la chargers the patriots meanwhile three and four ats one and one as an underdog they have only been a dog twice this year have the New England Patriots. So the total already up by a point. But here's what's fascinating about totals this year from an over-under perspective on the L.A. Chargers. Everybody knows this offense and its high-powered nature with Justin Herbert in his second year and all the weapons at his disposal. Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, you throw in Austin Eckler in the backfield. This team can get it done through a variety of ways offensively and are one of the best scoring units offensively in all of the NFL. But so far this year, The Chargers have played five of their six games to the under, but four of the six games so far for the L.A. Chargers have had a total in the 50s. So they are booked high, and they are expected to score a lot of points, but they have been falling under up until this point this year. Five of the six games for L.A. hitting the under. Now, the New England Patriots started off this year as one of the most reliable under teams in all of the NFL. Four games, four straight under, Four straight unders, I should say, for the Pats to start off this year. But New England has played three straight games to the over where things stand right now for the New England Patriots. This is going to be one of their higher totals of the year, though, at 48 and a half. So while the Chargers have been booked in the 50s and playing games to the under, the New England Patriots have been booked on the lower side and have been hitting to the over, at least here as of late. Let's not forget, New England scored 54 points this past Sunday against the New York Jets. Another reliable way to play this game between the Chargers and the Patriots, if you don't want to dive into a side in total, is looking at Justin Herbert in his passing attempts prop. Justin Herbert is averaging 41 passing attempts per game so far this season in the NFL in these six games for the Chargers this year. And in all six games, Justin Herbert has never had less 
than 38 passing attempts so far this season. As we welcome in our Sports Grid radio audience here, the third and final hour of the morning after just getting underway. I'm your host, Ben Stevens, and you are listening on Sirius XM Channel 204, the mightier 1090 out on the West Coast. This our West Coast wake up, talking about a team that plays their football out on the West Coast. The Chargers laying five and a half against the New England Patriots this upcoming Sunday. The over-under total, 48 and a half. Now, the Chargers laying five and a half. The Chargers are also the favorite currently on the FanDuel Sportsbook to win the AFC West. Los Angeles is the favorite at plus 110. The team with the second shortest odds, the Kansas City Chiefs at plus 200. Then you look at the Raiders there at plus 400. Go down the board to find the Denver Broncos with the longest odds to win the AFC West division on the FanDuel Sportsbook right now. The Chargers not only are the favorites to win the AFC West at plus 110, they also have very long odds to make the postseason. Minus 380 as a favorite to make the AFC playoffs as things stand on the FanDuel Sportsbook. The Kansas City Chiefs, minus 215. The Las Vegas Raiders, as we discussed earlier on in the program with our good friend Kevin Walsh, minus 132 to make the playoffs. They are still in minus money are the Vegas Raiders, but they are on the outside looking in if the season were to end today in the regular season and the postseason were to begin because the Raiders, the eighth best odds to make the postseason behind a team in the Cincinnati Bengals that are minus 146 to make the playoffs on the FanDuel Sportsbook right now. So the Chargers, again, a five and a half point favorite against the Patriots this upcoming weekend out in Los Angeles, the over under total 48 and a half. There is almost a certainty with two Los Angeles teams right now when it comes to the prop market. Cooper Cup, total receptions, receiving yards, maybe even an anytime touchdown score, or also for the other team in LA, Justin Herbert, in his passing attempts prop, he is going over that in a large way, averaging 41 passing attempts this year, never less than 38 in the six games the Chargers have played this season. It is going to be the best weekend we have seen in college football, in my humble opinion, entering week number nine. Great conference games across the entire slate, including in the Southeastern Conference. You like cocktails? Maybe head to Jacksonville, Florida. Georgia and Florida, also some great SEC games. Connor O'Gara joins the show next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to the morning after on SportsGrid, Sirius XM, Channel 204. I'm your host, Ben Stevens. And pretty much every Tuesday now, it is a certainty we will be discussing Southeastern Conference football, the SEC as it is better known, with Connor O'Gara from Saturday down south. Connor, great to have you back on the show again. I know I already got you a little fired up. A sneak preview of Ben's Top 10 that we will dissect in a moment. But before that, hello and welcome back. Good to be back. It was pumpkin patch Saturday in college yep. football. Although I think you still had enough time to kind of check your phone while you're at the pumpkin patch and getting something that squirrels were going to eat in like two days anyways and see, oh my gosh, Oklahoma is on the ropes against Kansas. I better get back 
still enough time to get your pumpkins and get back in time to see Caleb Williams do something that I didn't realize was legal, but now I think more coaches need to put that into their playbook. So yes, it was pumpkin patch Saturday, this Saturday, a little bit different. And still plenty of time to get back for a nine overtime thriller in state college, Pennsylvania, between Illinois and Penn state, the Illini pulling off the upset and making history going past seven overtimes for the first time ever in college football. But Connor, you mentioned it, this upcoming week, and as we look forward to weekend number nine, what I think might be the best weekend of the regular season on Halloween weekend, we need to set the stage for where things stand. So that's why we have Ben's top 10 on a Tuesday as we look forward to the weekend. So I will run through the list right now, going from one to 10, and we will get your initial reactions to everything overall. You did see a sneak preview before we came back during the commercial break. And let's just say, folks, Connor didn't love what he saw. So here we go. Starting with a team out of the SEC. Number one in the country, unanimously so, Georgia, number one. Then number two, I have the Ohio State Buckeyes. Number three, Alabama, checking in at number four, Cincinnati. Michigan, five. Oklahoma, six. Michigan State, seven. Oregon, number eight. Iowa, ranked ninth. And then Pittsburgh rounds out my top ten. You heard the deep sigh from Connor O'Gara there. So I ask you, Connor, not what upsets you, but what upsets you the most about Ben's top 10? You know that gif from The Office where Michael says yeah. to Toby, why are you the way that you are? <laughs> I just can't help but think when looking at your top 10, which I realize it's coming from Big Ten Ben, so there's going to be a little bit yeah. of a Big Ten skew. Look, I grew up in the Midwest. I graduated from a Big Ten school, Indiana. Trust mm. me, I got into this business writing about Big Ten stuff. You're not going to have to convince me of a Big Ten team is, is incredibly good. Having said that, you're out of your <laughs> mind if you think that there are five Big Ten teams, Iowa included, better than Ole Miss. How many times do I have to get on these airwaves and tell you how good Ole Miss is? And I, I'm, I might be tipping my hand for a little bit later talk about some old Miss and Auburn, but goodness gracious, man, how can you look at Iowa right now and say that that's a top 10 football team? How can you look at Ohio State and say that's the number two team in the country when Ohio State hasn't beat squat? You beat Tulsa, you beat Indiana, you beat Rutgers, you beat Maryland? Golf clap. Congratulations. You lost to the only team worth its weight in salt. There's no way Ohio State is the number two team in the country. They have a loss. Alabama has a loss. Oh, by the way, it's to a Texas A&M team who we thought coming into the year was a top 10 team, has played really, really well in the last three weeks and is now back into the top 15. So I don't know where in the world you're looking there because Alabama killed Ole Miss, who's legit. So I, I'm looking at that thinking to myself, Oh, man, you're just bracing for disappointment when all these Big Ten East teams who have, you know, fattened up a little bit on some pretty favorable non-conference scheduling, when they actually have to play each other and then they get into bowl season and it's going to get ugly, Big Ten Ben is not going to be very happy. I'm just going to say that right now. I mean, that happens from time to time, right? The Big Ten plays well in the regular season. They get into bowl season, and it's not the great performances we know. Listen, Iowa is ranked ninth because I am a homer. And when I look at the Iowa Hawkeyes, I will say this based on the betting markets, Iowa right now is 10 to one to win the Big Ten Conference Championship on the FanDuel Sportsbook, as is Wisconsin, the team that Iowa plays this weekend in Camp Randall. There is still a path in my mind 
for Iowa to make the Big Ten Conference Championship, which does not make them a college football playoff team, but Iowa's odds to win the national championship right now, if I do believe so correctly here, and I will check to make sure I'm not leading the people astray, I believe Iowa's odds to win the national championship, yes, they are better than Ole Miss's at the moment. Oh, no, exact same. Both 100-1 to on the FanDuel Sportsbook, maybe invalidating any argument I was going to bring up. Iowa is ranked ninth (laughs) because I am a homer. I do believe in Ole Miss, Connor. Do not fret. I still have some faith in the Rebs very, very much so. I do believe, though, that Ohio State is the second-best team in the country right now. I think that offense is exactly what we expected it to be, and C.J. Stroud and all the weapons that he has, and really, who do you try to defend, whether it's Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Jeremy Ruckert at the tight end position, Travion Henderson, who's one of the best running backs in the country. I know Ohio State's defense still has its faults, but I would still say Ohio State is the second-best team in the country. Alabama is number three. It's very, very close between the two. But Ohio State, a better record against the spread with a better cover margin. So in Big Ten Ben's top 10, they get the slight edge as things currently stand entering week number nine. Ben, so uh, who has Ohio State played away from Columbus? <laughs> That's a good, I mean, you bring up a great point. It's a good point. Yep. Who has, who has Alabama played away from Tuscaloosa? Oh, they had to go to College Station and play in front of 109,000 people. Oh, they had to go to the swamp in Florida and play in front of 90,000 people. Oh, they had to go to Starkville where they're probably still hearing cowbells in their ears. And what do they do? They won that game by 40 points. Covered. Alabama's actually yeah. had to go on the road. Ohio State has got to stay at home in the friendly confines of Columbus, Ohio and play against cupcakes. This is ridiculous. Wow. If the roles were reversed, there's no way on God's green earth that you'd be saying that Alabama is a better team. It's just not the case. And cool, Ohio State has figured it out offensively. They have some really, really nice pieces. But defensively, they haven't faced anybody. When they actually faced an offense and an offensive coordinator, Joe Moorhead, who knows what he's doing, they were terrible. Don't tell me that Ohio State has figured out its play calling because they stopped Rutgers and they stopped Indiana. Michael Penix is averaging like 3.5 yards per attempt. And I realize that he wasn't even out there, and it's Jack Tuttle. Congratulations. The Indiana offense is a train wreck, and I'm allowed to say that because I'm an Indiana grad. But there's no way Ohio State has a better resume than Alabama right now. Listen, I think it is offensive that you would say that Memorial Stadium in Bloomington, Indiana, is not a tough place to play in primetime. How dare you say that as a proud Indiana grad, although I agree with you. By the way, Coach Tom Allen liked one of my tweets last night about my high school football stats. I will be the starting quarterback this upcoming weekend for the Hoosiers against the Maryland Terrapins. Things are going very well for Indiana if they're throwing old Benny Stevie back there under center. So, Connor, let's quickly look through the SEC championship odds because not much has changed at the top of the odds market right now, and then we'll dive into some of the matchups on the other side of the break. So, Georgia's still the odds-on favorite at minus 150. Alabama, plus 110. You have Auburn and Ole Miss, who play each other this weekend at 50-1. to What do you make of the other teams farther down the board in the SEC right now? Only about a minute left here in this segment. Uh, A&M is the most interesting, and that's, I guess, the the chalky pick if we're just talking about the other teams because they have the tiebreaker against Alabama. And A&M, I was so high on coming into the year. I had them with a 10-2 projection, losing to LSU and losing to Arkansas, one of which has already happened. I don't think they're going to lose to LSU, but – they're playing really, really well right now. AM is playing like a top 10 team. They've won three consecutive games. They're averaging 40 points per game against SEC competition with a backup quarterback. 
They have the pieces in place. DeMarvin Leal is a future top 10 pick. They've got studs on that defensive line. AM is most intriguing yeah. because they could actually maybe stay on the field with Georgia with some of the things that they do well. Now, I'm not saying I would predict them to beat Georgia, but at the same time, I think that's a, a you know, at 8,000, that, that's a little bit more intriguing than some of those other options. Yeah, the Aggies 80 to 1 to win the SEC. So let's dive through the SEC Saturday slate on the other side of the break. Week number nine, Jacksonville, Florida, the world's largest outdoor cocktail party, Georgia and Florida. We preview that game coming up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Morning after on Sports Grid keeps rolling on right here on Sirius XM Channel 204, all across the Sports Grid Network. And I'm your host, Ben Stevens. For a second straight segment, we are joined by Connor O'Gara from Saturday Down South to preview a huge weekend in the SEC. And Connor, we were just looking at those SEC Conference Championship odds mere moments ago. Two teams there tied for the third shortest odds in the Southeastern Conference. Ole Miss, 50 to 1, Auburn. 50 to 1. These two teams play each other this weekend in a game that will be very, very good. As I check the odds board just to make sure we have the latest and updated odds for this matchup between Ole Miss and Auburn. As I pull it up, yes. Okay. The running Rebs, a two and a half point underdog on the road in Jordan Hare against the Tigers. The over under total is below 70 for an Ole Miss game. It is 65 in a hook. Connor, how do you break down this matchup between Ole Miss and Auburn? Ole Miss's defense has actually gotten a lot better. And Bo Nix, the way that he's playing in Mike Bobo's offense, is so much better than what I thought he was capable of. So that's why this game is is a little bit different than what I would have expected in the preseason. Now, I, I love Ole Miss. And with Matt Corral healthy, that team, in my opinion, bona fide top 10, no doubt about it. They're getting big contributions on the defensive end from Chance Campbell, the Maryland transfer, and they're getting big contributions as well from you know, Otis Reese. They got another kid from Navy that came in in the secondary and really solidified things as well. So, like, it's not the old Miss defense that we saw last year, and it's not the Bo Nix that we saw last year. The big question, how healthy is Matt Corral? Matt Corral was not at 100% for that LSU game. Now, they still won that game because their defense played really well, and their ground game is the number one non-service academy rushing attack in college football with Snoop Connor, with Henry Parrish, with Jerry and Ely back at 100%. The problem is that Ole Miss's offense is a little banged up right now. So that line would kind of scare me. I think Ole Miss wins that game, but I almost want to say that they almost win by just one point. And I say that Auburn covers that because – Right now, Ole Miss is, is a team that on if they go on the road, they're, they're going to be tested. And some of that depth with Braylon Sanders maybe still injured, with Matt Corral not having his full mobility, I, I would worry about that a little bit. And Auburn coming off the bye, going to feel really, really confident going up against an Ole Miss team that's had a lot of success against in the last decade. 
And I think the reason you see that over-under total for the Rebs and the Tigers at just 65-and-a-half, and I understand 65-and-a-half is still a pretty lofty number, but the reason it's below 70 is because last week between Ole Miss and LSU in Oxford, that over-under total got all the way steamed up to 78-and-a-half, and it never had a chance of even getting up there with the Rebs winning 31-17 to over the LSU Tigers on Saturday. So it really depends on the health of Matt Corral if you can even threaten that over-under total of 65.5. Connor, we talked about the SEC championship odds. There is a clear distinction between Georgia and Alabama and the rest of the conference. UGA minus 150 is the odds on favorites. Alabama plus 110. We have Auburn and Ole Miss at 50-1. to Texas A&M, who you says has some great value, and I agree, at 80-1. to Talk to me about what we kind of discussed during the commercial break here. What is the path for A&M or Auburn or Ole Miss to make the SEC Conference Championship game out of the SEC West to potentially uh, challenge Georgia in that SEC title game? Technically, Auburn has a relatively clear path here because – Auburn can win out now the issue because their SEC loss, their lone SEC losses against Georgia. Now Georgia is, of course is in the SEC East. So Auburn can technically win out. The problem is that Auburn still has to get through Alabama. They still have to get through Texas A&M. And then this weekend they still have to get through Ole Miss. They have four of their next five games are against SEC West opponents. So it's a little bit difficult to sit here today and tell you, oh, yeah, Auburn, absolutely take a chance on them. I'd much rather have a team that's plus 8,000 there with A&M who already has beat Alabama. Now, you're expecting Alabama to do something that has been so rare, that is lose a second regular season game. But maybe you just kind of throw one up there and say, hey, Alabama, this could be a weird year. And Alabama has showed perhaps a lower floor than what we've come to expect. So maybe there's a chance there. But I still think that this game this weekend between Auburn and Ole Miss is more about, hey, you're kind of jockeying for position second in the West. You're trying to get to a New Year's Six Bowl, something that would matter to these programs. They've only been there, I believe. Auburn was there twice to a New Year's Six Bowl in the playoff era, and Ole Miss has only been there yeah. once, I believe, in the playoff era. So that, that matters to these teams. So it's more about that probably than their chances of winning the SEC. All right. The premier game of the SEC slate this weekend takes place in Jacksonville, Florida. As it is commonly known, the world's largest outdoor cocktail party between Georgia and Florida. Georgia, the number one team in the country, and rightfully so. And in this matchup against their rivals, the Florida Gators, laying 14.5 points, the over-under total, 50.5. Connor, I ask you this question on a weekly basis here on the morning after. Another lofty spread in favor of the number one team in the country. Can the dogs cover against the Gators? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And I'm going to be there this weekend. I'm excited. My first cocktail Ooh. party experience. It's going to be a great time. I've never even been to Jacksonville. I've lived in Orlando for six years and I've never been to Jacksonville. It's kind of weird. Um, it's going to take every ounce of me not to just want to scream Bortles everywhere I go, but I, I will resist the urge to. I think it's going to be a great matchup for Georgia. And I've been saying this for weeks. Look, I, I think that Florida, what it has been able to do, having the number two non-service academy rushing attack in all of college football, a year removed from having the number one passing attack, that is a testament to Dan Mullen. That is the last nice thing that I'm going to say about Dan Mullen because his quarterback situation is a mess right now. Anthony Richardson yep. is the better guy. He is not willing to give Anthony Richardson all the reps. That is a problem. 
because all it takes for Georgia is that one big mistake, that pick six, that big time error that you make where you just throw it into double coverage, you make a predetermined read, and Georgia can just take off with the rest of the game. That's what I think Florida is going to do in this game. I can't trust Emory Jones not to make mistakes. I can't trust Anthony Richardson not to make mistakes. This Georgia defense is all world. It's allowing 5.5 points per game. Don't let the stats of, of, of all these official websites that are saying 6.6 points per game um, convince you of that because they're not factoring the, the pick six that they had against UAB. But that's a different discussion for a different time. Georgia's going to be able to stop Florida's ground game. They will. Jordan Davis is a man-child. He needs to be discussed in the Heisman Trophy oh. race. And this defense is just as good as it gets. Florida's going to have a rough time. I absolutely think Georgia covers 14 and a half. The best scoring defense in the country, the Georgia Bulldogs, who Connor says is only allowing five and a half points per game. I agree with that. The best total defense in all of college football, the Georgia Bulldogs, only allowing just over 219 yards per game to their opponent and the, be or the second best rushing defense in all of college football. So, Connor, we have this graphic here to highlight what Florida does or some of the numbers around the Gators this year. They are four and three straight up. They are three and four against the spread. They are averaging 34.4 points per game. That's top 25 in terms of scoring offense in all of college football. And you highlight the ground game there, 254.6 rushing yards per game. So I built this graphic in a way with our talented graphics producer, Jesse Metzger, to hopefully be like, how does Florida have a chance of maybe even covering that 14 and a half but it doesn't sound like you think there's a real possibility for Florida to do so. No, I, I don't think that Florida is going to be able to follow a blueprint like they did against Alabama, where they made that a much closer game after falling behind 21-3. to three. I, The Georgia defense is not built that way. They just aren't. They're, they're too good up front. If they've missed a tackle this year, I haven't seen it. And that's just impossible to play against. Florida needs you to make some mistakes. They need to be able to force you to, to be on your heels defensively because they're not going to pick you apart in the passing game. That's just not the way that they're built this year. It's very different than the offense that we saw last year in Jacksonville, which pretty much shredded Georgia in the first half of that game, a much more experienced Georgia secondary. But the problem is you just don't get time to drop back and throw the ball against Georgia. They can rush three. They can rush four. They still find ways to get home. And so that's going to be difficult for Anthony Richardson. I don't think Emory Jones is going to have a lot of success against this Georgia defense. And, you know, kind of the, the lost in the shuffle storyline here is the Georgia side and what happens with the quarterback situation. They don't even know if Stetson mm. Bennett or JT Daniels is going to be the starter in this one. And still, you would think that that whoever does is going to be set up for success because Todd Grantham has struggled in this rivalry. There are Florida fans bracing for the for the reality in which he blitzes all these Georgia quarterbacks, and all of a sudden you're seeing Georgia receivers like Lad McConkey and the the true freshman tight end Brock Bowers running free downfield. Florida fans are, are are ready for a blowout. They absolutely are, and Georgia is very much in position to give it to them. Connor, quickly, one final game here. Kentucky's only loss this year was to Georgia on the road in Athens. Kentucky on the road again this weekend in Starkville against Mississippi State. The Cats laying only one and a half on the road at Mississippi State. What do you make of this matchup on Saturday? Such a weird line. Mississippi State opened as the favorite of this one, despite the fact that I think Mississippi Ooh. State's the worst team in the SEC West. But this line has moved a lot. Mark Stoops has never won in Starkville, so maybe that's got something to do with it. It's all about how Will Levis is going to handle the pressure that Zach Garnett is going to send. Now, I actually think that Kentucky sets up pretty well in this matchup, despite the fact that that weird line at first made me think, oh boy, this could be trouble. 
But I, I think that Kentucky, it, it's it's going to try and beat you with Wondell Robinson, Chris Rodriguez, guys who have been proven playmakers in the SEC. Mississippi State's corners, Martin Emerson, Emmanuel Forbes, they cover the outside. Wondell Robinson, Liam Cohn is going to have him in the slot. They're going to move him around all over the place. I think Kentucky's offense is actually built to be able to score on the road against Mississippi State. I think Kentucky will cover in this game and win in Stark Vegas. But, man, I'd be lying if I told you that line didn't kind of weird me out when it opened. Sometimes the numbers really sketch you out from betting a side, even if you feel the matchup favors that. Connor O'Gara from Saturday Down South joining us each and every Tuesday here on the morning after. Connor, we will talk to you very, very soon. Coming up on the other side of the break, Bill Krakenberger, one of the smartest and sharpest men in Vegas, joins the show. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Right back here on the morning after on Sports Grid, Sirius XM, Channel 204. I'm your host, Ben Stevens. And now we are very pleased to be joined by Bill Krakenberger, one of the sharpest minds out in Las Vegas. Make sure you get all of his wisdom and knowledge and insight on the Crack Wins app so you can follow everything that he has for you, whether it's the NFL or across the sports landscape. And Bill, right now, like you mentioned, we are getting into the heart of of the NFL season week number eight is on the horizon it starts in just over 48 hours on a Thursday night and speaking of that Thursday night matchup we have already seen tons of market reaction to the news about Devontae Adams the Packers stud wide receiver being placed on the COVID-19 list the line opened at three three and a half in favor of Arizona it's currently six in favor of the Cardinals on Thursday night what do you make of all this market movement for Thursday night football yeah, good morning, uh, Ben. Uh, I'll tell you, I I, uh, I think it's just the overreaction to, I don't know if any one player in the NFL besides a marquee or a good quarterback is worth three points. So, um, and, and you were talking about a team that um, has, I'm not going to say risen from the ashes, but, you know, they start that first game out 0-1 um, and, and uh, I think it was, 38 to three they lost I think was first yeah the Saints and and uh they came back and reeled off six in a row so um you know you, you have a real uh marquee quarterback here real old school tough team they seem to always rise from the ashes man uh th- this team this team is pretty good to be a, a six-point underdog however all that said and like you said at the beginning here we're in week eight. We're two months in already, NFL season. This is really one of the toughest times to start winning betting NFL. I'm real tough on NFL sides to begin with, but this is a real tough time to start figuring out what's happening in the NFL because I'll tell you, uh, any given Sunday still rules, man. Anything can and will happen. And I won't be betting the game. I won't be betting a side in the game, but I just – something I noticed, three point, a three-point move. But – Anything can happen here. You could have a 20-point blowout or you could have an upset uh, by, by Green Bay, and nothing would surprise me 
Um, you know, here we have – I was with a couple buddies of mine this weekend and just thinking about Tennessee. Now, now they've been on – they were on primetime TV and they had a couple of good games and people are seeing a little bit more of them. And you think this team that just – that looks really good right now, didn't they lose to the, the Jets like a month ago? I mean, <laughs> I mean um, it, it, that goes to show you, man, anything can happen. Um and will happen. These lines, I, I, I don't. I would never lay any big favorites this time of the year. The, the, you know, double-digit favorites, especially. I know. Last week we had a couple of them. I, I know one covered. Uh, you know, actually the Arizona game um, covered versus a, 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 a God. It was, seemed like they were really badly coached uh, Houston team that game. From what my, my my friends were saying, I had some friends that said, "Wow," because there was a twenty and a half that was hanging here in town, and they were like. Man, 20 and a half points, this game opened 17, and they bit on the dog a little bit. And I, I actually would probably lean to the dog there, too. And and um, really, I, I thought they were hanging in in the game. And then, then you know, at the end, they just seemed to prove that they're, they're you know, the, that the bookmakers were right about this line. And the bookmakers are pretty good, man, this time of the year. Yeah. Every, so much NFL coverage from all different networks. It's so hard to beat this game when you have so many different people covering the NFL. That's why I look towards more the college sports, the proposition bets. I'm doing some NBA totals. I, I can't wait for college basketball here in a couple of weeks. I'll be in uh, your area there on the East Coast and and um, hopefully terrorizing the sports books like FanDuel. I hope so for you as well, Crack. Only a couple of weeks away from Madison Square Garden being the host to a couple of marquee games to open up the college hoop season. But focus in again on Thursday night football. The Cardinals, as we know, the last remaining unbeaten team, a perfect 7-0 and straight up this year. Also 6-1 and against the number, covering by an average margin of 11.8 points per game. You mentioned the Green Bay Packers, a dud in the opener against the Saints. But since then, six straight wins, six straight covers for the Green Bay Packers. So, Crack, it would seem to me that if you have the line now up to six, and you're letting Aaron Rodgers on a short week without his top target be a six-point underdog, that might be where I would lean for this Thursday night matchup. Do you think we can maybe be contradictory to this market movement for Thursday night football? Well, personally, I can't ever bet a team that I didn't get the best number. So this game opened at three Hmm. at one sportsbook, three and a half at most of the others. I can't lay six now after I missed the move. As a matter of fact, Someone asked me this on Twitter last week. I just thought of it. came to my head. It's a great subject. So if you were to bet after everything moves, you know, I don't care if it's the wisest, sharpest sports betting syndicates or just the square public pushing up their marquee team because it's on TV. If you were to bet the other side of that move at the peak number, I would bet you that's not a bad bet long term. Taking the making the point exactly like this kind of a game. Again, I'm not betting this game; it's an NFL game. But after a game moves from three and a half, if it you know tops out at six, and that's you see it disappearing at a couple spots because of the scalpers and middlers out there. They're just doing that because of a, of a of a good middle to have minus three plus six. Are you kidding me? It's a great middle. Um, I would think that. The plus six is not as bad of a bet to be on the, let's call it the cold side 
of a game mm. with the uh, extra points involved. So, look, put it this way, the bookmaker is. So, uh, you know, they get the yeah. money all the time. Yeah, I think, I, I think you bring up a great point there. We'll have to see, of course, if there are any more COVID outcomes for the Green Bay Packers, if that moves the line. But if it's just Devontae Adams and obviously some of the coaching staff for the Packers as well right now, I still think we could see that line at six and maybe work its way back down a couple of points by the time we get to Thursday night football between the Packers and the Cardinals. Crack, as you mentioned, we are at week eight. It is very difficult to find an edge when it comes to a side and total perspective for the National Football League. Why at this point of the year is it so difficult to beat the book? You know, we're going into like the heart of the season. I said before off, off air, I was telling Ben. And, and this is really where I think the bookmakers have a really good grasp on the lines. How can they not? They've been seen. They've been showed so much, just like I talked about earlier, all the different networks that cover the NFL. And it's so socially acceptable now to talk about the lines on any station and any network Whereas, you know, a couple of years ago, it was taboo to even talk about this. Now, you literally have the biggest names in sports journalism or sports broadcasting every single weekend on TV, mainstream, for everyone to watch, talking that they all know what the lines are because every show is hosted by a different sports book. Um, it's just so much out there now. And I think it's, I think it's, but listen, it is the number one thing to bet. People love betting on NFL every Sunday. I, I kind of try to preach that. And, you know, my thing is just not about winning. My thing is I try to teach you guys because I want you to lose less. I don't want you to bet that TV game. And I know, perfect example, Ben, is this Thursday night game. Everyone that you know that has a FanDuel, DraftKings, I don't care what account they have around the country, they're going to be betting on this big game with these two marquee teams. They're going to be betting something. And you want to know something? That's wrong. I'm sorry. Any sponsors, right? That's wrong. Don't just bet because the game is on TV. Don't just bet because you, this is going to be fun. It's Thursday night football. It's gonna. My buddy's got a beard. That's not how you're gonna. That's gamblers' ruin long term. Now, I'm not saying I'm not going to have action on it. I'm going to have. I may have the total. I may have definitely proposition bets. Um, and, and you know, you guys over at Vandal. I mean, you. I don't know a book that that really has them as many ways to bet a game or uh, a primetime game as, as, as a place like that. So um, anyway, it gets tougher now, but there still will be those spots that you could cherry pick a little bit, especially on those props in the totals. Yes, crack. Speaking of those props, have there been a favorite couple of props for you this year? Passing yards, passing attempts, rushing yards, whatever it might be. Has there been a couple of prop categories where you have targeted this year and found success in the NFL? You know, I, one of the props I really like, um, only books like FanDuel, DraftKings, are the only ones that offer this this prop. I can't find this prop anywhere because it's every single game they put this up. And, and again, probably me talking too much, giving this out. My partners will get upset at me. Uh, so I like betting the shortest touchdown in the game under one and a half yards. I, like, I don't like to lay more than a dollar and a quarter. I won't lay it. But I only do this on the high-scoring games or which is supposed to be high scoring um you know i'm very transparent last week there was a 58 and 59 i think the kansas city game went to i pounded that under uh one and a half and lost no one scored they, they, they were on the one yard line and they got stuffed on the one and backed up to the two and then 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 uh, made a touchdown so um this is really a a good bet when that you have a high total 
which they're basically telling you these teams are going to score eight touchdowns, the chances are, are much better uh, of making one of those. You know, it's so much – you think about how it, it sounds like it's, uh, you know, something that, oh, no, that's pretty hard, crack. Well, not really. When you have pass interference in the end zone, the ball goes to the one. You have that, That's what you really want. But you also can get ran out of bounds on the one-yard line. Or there could be, you know, um, just, just you know, typical runs when they're on the three that get to the one or five and get to the one. You know, so there's a lot of ways to get there on this bet. But only when it's a high total, when they're telling you they're going to score like like eight touchdowns. So that's a real fun prop bet that I – I like to I like to bet. I like to give out. It's tough to give it out though. Again, only books like FanDuel put them up on every single game. Most books just put them up on the marquee games, the primetime night games. So props to them. Craig, I think that's a great way of finding an edge, though, right? You look at the numbers and what they're telling you. A total of fifty-eight and a half. There's going to be a lot of scoring. We don't need to necessarily bet the total, but we can look for another way to find an edge. I think that's great wisdom and insight. You can get more of that on the Crack Wins app from Bill Krakenberger and his team. Quickly here, Crack, only about a minute left. The World Series begins tonight. Game number one between the Astros and the Atlanta Braves. Any action or any sides you like for the World Series? I have nothing on this first game. And, and you know, this they were real. it was really upsetting to me that uh, I had such a good number of the Dodgers to win the World Series early in the season and had a good prop bet on that. And, um, and they just didn't have the heart to get there. So I have nothing on it. I, I tell you what, this is one of those World Series where the networks wish these teams weren't in it. They wish the Dodgers and the Yankees were there. It'd be big, big network, big money, big bu- and, and it'd be a hot topic, and people will get into it. I'll be surprised if I even watch one game. I have little or no interest um, in, in watching the games and – and I usually enjoy baseball, uh, you know, especially playoff baseball, World Series baseball. But I guess my heart is, uh, you know, which I usually don't have a heart in anything. My heart was with a couple of the teams I like to bet on and a couple of the teams that are, the, you know, marquee teams. I, I don't want to watch a uh, an Astros team win the World Series again. Um, no. You know, I, I just don't want to. I, 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 even the Braves. I, I, when, I grew up as a Mets fan when I was back in New York. I used to hate the Braves. I used to hate Bobby Cox. And yeah. They used to always beat us back in the 80s. So anyway, yeah. uh, I'm not rooting for either one of them. One of my roommates and best friends is a Mets fan. And as much as everybody hates the Astros, he hates the Braves. He's rooting for the Astros in the World Series. Bill Krakenberger, one of these sharpest right. men out in Las Vegas. Thank you very much for joining us here on The Morning After. We'll talk to you next week. Coming up, our best bets Thanks, for this guys. day. Take Stay care. with us here on The Grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Tuesday, October 26th comes to a close here on the morning after on SportsGrid, Sirius XM channel 204. I mentioned the date because it is the first day, the first game of the World Series tonight in Houston between the Astros and the Braves. Yes, the NFL is in full swing. NBA and NHL action, and we look forward to college football coming up here pretty soon. But let us not forget 
October baseball. The nostalgia that is the World Series tonight in Houston between the Astros and the Braves. So let's round out the show today with our best bet on game one of the World Series. It's bye-bye-bye. All right, here is how the money line looks for tonight between the Astros and the Braves. Houston favored at home right now on FanDuel, minus 134. The Braves plus 114 on the money line. The over-under total is 8.5. It's Charlie Morton starting for Atlanta. It's Rainbow Valdez starting for the Houston Astros. On the Atlanta Braves, in their lineup right now, is the hottest hitter on planet Earth. His name is Eddie Rosario. He won the National League Championship Series Most Valuable Player because this postseason, he is batting 474. He is 18 of 38 at the dish. He has three home runs, 11 RBIs, and 30 total bases. He had two games in the NLCS where he had four hits. Two games in a single series. He has 30 total bases. That's why tonight, our best bet, the bye-bye-bye for Game 1 of the World Series is Eddie Rosario two or more total bases at plus 110 this evening against the Houston Astros. Again, Eddie Rosario has 30 total bases this postseason. You average that out over 10 games for the Braves, that's three total bases a game. We can go one below that and get plus money at plus 110. Eddie Rosario also 17 to 1 to win the World Series MVP. I don't mind that value at all. We recap game number one of the World Series. All the NFL action your heart can desire. Everything in this wonderful sports month as the calendar is in late October. We do that tomorrow here on The Grid. 9 a.m. to noon Eastern. I'll be right back here with you. Ben Stevens, and we'll talk tomorrow. Are you one of us? We've just got one question. Do you like games? We do.